0: In today's world, many people can't imagine their lives without coffee. Starting the day with a cup of the black caffeine-filled brew is a given part of the daily routine. It helps us stay alert at work or when we're up late at night studying or working on some project. But what most people don't know is that this everyday beverage has very strong mystical and religious origins being strongly connected to Sufism and the Islamic mystics. Coffee may not seem all that special to some. I'm not much of a coffee drinker myself, I prefer tea, but the history of coffee is definitely very interesting, whether you like to drink it or not. Coffee is made from the coffee bean, which is actually the seeds of berries that grow on the famous coffee plants. These beans originate in Ethiopia and have been known and probably consumed by the local population for a long time, even though there is no actual direct evidence for this. So technically, the history of coffee begins here, but at this early time, the coffee bean was actually chewed on. The coffee bean, as we all know, is very strong in caffeine, which is a compound that increases alertness and makes us feel just more up or more awake, more sort of clear-headed you could say. Technically caffeine is actually classified as a psychoactive drug and its effect can be quite strong Um, and just chewing on the beans themselves as the Ethiopians probably did obviously has this same effect. But coffee doesn't become a beverage until much later. It isn't until the coffee bean reaches the Arabian Peninsula, Yemen, on the southern tip of the Arabian Peninsula, that it starts to be brewed into an actual drink, into a beverage. We're not entirely sure when coffee reached Yemen, but the earliest evidence is from the 1400s, so we know that it existed at that point, and perhaps earlier than that as well. And this is when coffee's relationship with Islam and Sufism really starts. One popular theory is that coffee was actually introduced to Yemen by a Sheikh Umar al who belonged to the Shadili Sufi order. But irregardless of the actual story, what is certain is that the Sufis in Yemen very quickly realized that this new beverage was very useful for their mystical practices. The Sufis, who are often referred to as Islamic mystics, are known for their characteristic rituals and practices. They did, and still do, often gather together in sessions called hadra, where they will take part in various forms of very intense devotion to God, from praying to meditating, listening to and playing music, and the most characteristic ritual, which is known as vikr, or remembrance. In vikr the names of god or certain phrases are repeated for very long periods of time and the practitioners will often enter a kind of trance or ecstatic state, at least ideally that's what you want to achieve. These mystical sessions often go on for very long periods of time and also often take place at night. As this can be very challenging and tiring, of course, the Sufis of Yemen realized that the very strong caffeine effect of coffee was very useful to stay awake and alert during their long dhikr sessions at night. Now, as a result of this, the coffee completely exploded in the region. It became a kind of Sufi drink that was used in mystical practice and quickly then spread across the entire Arabian Peninsula. But at this time, it was almost exclusively used to improve spiritual and mystical practices. It was only later, with the arrival of the Ottoman Empire, that coffee eventually spread to other regions in the Middle East and eventually beyond by the year 1600 or so coffee was widespread across multiple continents it was at that point had reached europe and india and many other places even as it spread it was still used primarily at first by sufis in their mystical practices used in a very practical sense but as it spread wider and time went on a lot of people also started to actually enjoy the drink itself Uh, It caught the attention of people who just liked to drink it without any other kind of uh, practical uh, usages for it. And so coffee houses were opened across the Ottoman Empire where people could gather, drink coffee and discuss things with their friends. Things like politics or, or religion or any subject really. We eventually saw similar developments in Europe and in both of these regions there started a huge debate on the permissibility of drinking this black beverage. In the Islamic world, in the Ottoman Empire for the most part, jurists and sultans debated whether coffee was permissible under Islamic law. This was partly due to more directly religious questions. Coffee obviously had a psychoactive effect on people and so obviously questions arose as to its similarity to other intoxicants like wine and, and whether or not it should be prohibited on on that very basis. But another important factor in this debate was, of course, political. Some would say this was actually the main factor behind this whole debate. Um, as I said, coffee houses had become a place where people could, in a very f- freely discuss things like politics and so this to a degree also undermined the power and influence of the sultans and the leaders and these kinds of people of power and so the coffee houses thus became a direct threat To the power and influence of the leaders. The occasional prohibition of coffee drinking, which did appear at this time, is therefore mostly a direct result of this. Coffee was a direct threat to the establishment. And almost identical debates and situations also appeared in Europe at around the same time. But today, for the most part, we've all reached the conclusion that coffee is A-OK and with a very small number of exceptions, it is legal in most parts of the world. Now, tea actually has a somewhat similar story. All true tea, as it is called, comes from the same plant, the Camellia sinensis, which has its origins in China. This includes all the famous teas, green tea, black tea, white tea, yellow tea, oolong, and so on. And as with coffee, the tea leaf was originally chewed in China, but later also started to be brewed with water, at least as early as the Han dynasty. This is between 200 BC to Two hundred CE. It is said that tea was originally pretty centralized or confined to the region of Yunnan, but the arrival of Buddhism in the region may have been an important factor in its wider spread across China. With the arrival of Buddhism in China through different Buddhist monks, tea quickly became an important part of religious practice for these Buddhists. Uh, Much like the Sufis, the Buddhist monks would often sit in long periods in meditation, which was very tiring, very very energy-consuming. And so tea, which also contains caffeine, albeit not as much as coffee, was a useful way to stay alert and awake during meditation, and also a way to recover after a long meditation session. And so much like with the Sufis in southern Arabia, tea became an integral part of Buddhist practice in China at this time. So the Buddhist monks, as they spread across all of China and later into Japan and Korea, brought with them tea and thus helped facilitate its larger spread. Later, of course, tea became an integral part of Buddhism in China and Japan, not just for its helpful effects, but also in a kind of symbolic and ceremonial way. Texts written about the symbolic significance of tea, relating it to Buddhist and Taoist philosophies, uh, were written in the later periods, the Tang Dynasty, the Ming Dynasty and so on. For example, we all know about the famous tea ceremony in Chinese and Japanese culture. The tea ceremony was developed in a context of Zen Buddhism, where the ceremonial preparation, sharing and drinking of tea became a spiritual practice in itself like a kind of meditation, if you will. These practices still continue to this day. There is, of course, a lot more we could discuss when it comes to the religious or mystical dimensions of coffee and tea. Um, We in the West, we often like to believe that religion has its own little pocket in society that's separated from everything else, or indeed that we, as a secularized modern society, is free from influence by religion, But often when we start to dig deeper into very mundane things like coffee, for example, which is something we drink basically every day, we start to realize that very basic things are strongly connected to religious traditions. Uh, Huge, uh, important and, and, and significant parts of our lives that we don't realize are strongly connected to religious traditions. And we often don't realize this. The history and origins of coffee is strongly and intimately connected with Islamic mysticism or Sufism. Um, tea, in a similar way, would not have spread to our parts of the world if it wasn't for the Buddhist monks and their mystical practices as well. So the next time you sit there in the morning with your regular cup of coffee, maybe remember that the whole reason you're having that experience is thanks to Muslim mystics and their devotional religious practices.